Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. This is House Talk Pregame. I'm Dr. Lauren Fitzbounds. That is Ted Wright III. He's in for Ronnie today. Guess what, y'all? Ronnie's getting ready to add a new member to the Ransom family. They're in the process of giving birth to their baby girl, the newest addition to the Ransom family. So definitely sending prayers and blessings and just all types of warm, loving feelings and vibes and stuff to the Ransom family, Ronnie and Mr. Ransom, Mrs. Ransom and their baby boy, Eli, the newest member. So we're super duper duper excited about that. Ronnie, not sure if you're tuning in in between pushes. <laughs> but congratulations, man. We love you so much. We'll see you back in a couple of weeks, hopefully. See, y'all don't know, because he this man up here in this ridiculously offensive, putrid greenness don't hate is him. my wonderful, don't, don't wonderful husband. Not attractive on you. Don't hate and him. I tell him all the time, I'm like, babe, my quarterback is fine but you got the finest quarterback in the nfl but you're gonna say that live you're gonna say that live. but but he ain't as fine as you babe he ain't as fine as you nice recovery nice recovery recovery. (laughs) (laughs) i told him before the show i said babe you know what i said you are fine i said i need good because I could have been, been like, who, who baby is that? <laughs> that could have been my story. And looks are not everything. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But thank you. Thank you. Yeah, but guess what else you got, Dr. Pitts? You got some, you got a man got character. You can't buy that. Remember. He loves me the says, y'all. Come on. He loves his wife. He loves him. He loves him some me. So look, folks, this is my wonderful husband, Eric Bounds the first. He he big E, and then we got a little E. We got an E too. <laughs> right, right. E one. So welcome to the show, baby. So glad to have you today. Glad to be here. Um, wow, y'all. How about uh, so the East Coast where we had left, <laughs> trying to get away from some of that disrespectful cold weather where Ted is in Maryland, mm-hmm. is getting knocked in the head with snow. It's cold. Well, why we got a wind chill factor in Texas of 10 freaking degrees? I said, Mother Nature need to get slapped, smoothing her face. Y'all know I got a violent streak. Just, I just want to slap her. Like waking up, it was it was Thursday, woke up, it was 11 degrees with a wind chill of a negative four. Excuse you? Well, um, I said, Babe, did we move it? You ain't tell me. Like, did he drug me and drag me back to the East Coast? What is going on right now? I am in my feelings about this crazy behind weather and I want to go to the Caribbean and he told me no. <laughs> oh well listen that 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 the weather we're getting and you want to slap Mother Nature, Mother Nature said, why are you slapping me and it's y'all fault? Y'all did all this global stuff warming. Uh, global warming. So yeah. uh what you gonna do? I'm just only gonna react to what y'all did to me. You yeah. know well Ted it, uh, it, global warning isn't real. It's fake news. It's fake news. It's not real. <laughs> So yes, sir. Where, where, where's your orange hair, sir? <laughs> okay. I digress. I'm sorry. Look, right. So look, folks, be, before we jump in today, um, I think that it's only fitting to acknowledge that the NFL has hired two new black quarterbacks. And I think that it's so fitting. They're not quarterbacks, uh, head coaches, excuse me. I think that it's so fitting that Ted is with us today, filling in for Ronnie, because everybody know he loves his New England Patriots. And they made history with hiring Gerard Mayo. He is the first black head coach in Patriots history. And what they're saying is he's going to hold an eternal place in New England's franchise timeline as the man Ted to replace Bill Belichick. So major, major, major congratulations to Gerard Mayo. He's got big shoes to fill, but undoubtedly he will absolutely positively do that. Then we also want to send some love and congratulations to Antonio Pierce, who's been named the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. He's got a stellar career anyway, nine-year NFL veteran player, former Super Bowl champion, team captain and Pro Bowl selection, 
posted a 5-4 record in nine games as interim head coach of the Raiders in 2023. So he's doing his thing. But how about the other black head coaches that we have? D'Amico Ryans, and, can, and I, you know, because I'm me, I'm going to be authentically me. That brother is fine. He is fine. Babe, I know. No disrespect. But that brother is fine. None, none taken. He's and a he, former eagle. But he ain't as fine as you, babe. He ain't as fine former, as you. He's a former eagle. We can, we can do he, that. He, see? There you go. So he, but no, seriously, like the Texans, like have they surprised the freaking world <laughs> or what? They are balling out. They are balling out. So sending, you know, major, 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 you know, uh, blessings and prayers and congratulations to D'Amico and the Texans. Of course, Mike Tomlin and Ronnie Steelers, <clears throat> they sitting at home with the rest of us. But uh, when Ronnie hit his ear good recording because he talked mad trash. But them Dallas Cowboys, I'm like, Ronnie, ain't your home to your, your home. But Mike, well, we love Mike Tomlin because he's doing the darn thing. Dr. Pitts, I know Ronnie's not here. And I got to stand up for my brother. He said something on the last show. He, he did a prediction. Oh, boy, here we go. Predicted what was going to happen to Dallas Cowboys. Uh-huh. And so I'm going to give a shout out to Ron <laughs> Francis while he's in the delivery room uh-huh. saying, man, you a prophet. As you spoke, actually, <laughs> you know, well, his, his profit, his 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 profit skills broke down because his Steelers is home too. They're <laughs> so not stealing. They're not stealing. They, 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 right? They didn't steal. Let's be honest, baby. Um, he, he, they're not stealing, and we ain't flying. Right. And then <laughs> Todd Bowles and the Bucks. You know, because everybody, everybody loves Tom Brady. Ted being, you know, the president of Tom Brady fan club. And, and truth be told, people were questioning whether or not the, the just like they did with the Patriots, they were questioning, well, how far were the Bucks going to be able to go without Tom Brady and the stand the third? Well, guess what? They they doing it. They doing it. Don't know how far they're going to go. It don't matter. It's one win at a time. And right now they're still in it. So congratulations to Todd Bowles and the Bucks. And then Mike McDaniel and I was telling folks, people going to be like, Mike McDaniel. Yeah. <laughs> Mike McDaniel identifies as multiracial. And you know, folk, you know, since slavery, folks saying you got one drop of us in you. You black. You black. You black. <laughs> so, you know, Mike McDaniel, they they didn't go as far as they wanted to do. But truth be told, they still bought out this season and they did really, really well. So congratulations to him and the Dolphins um, for as far as they did go. So enough of that. What are we talking about today? We are talking about calling an all. It's a term from the American football that refers to when the quarterback changes the play at the last minute due to how the defense is lining up. It's a last minute change that highly depends upon the ability of the quarterback to identify its necessity. But my question as a clinician is, what does an audible look like in your day-to-day life? Because mm. one of the things that we talk about week in and week out on House Talk is it's almost like fans and everybody else forgets that athletes and coaches are real people. They are not machines. They are not robots. They are real, living, breathing people who bleed and cry and hurt and agonize. Case in point. Wasn't it just last week that the announcement was made that Michael Strahan's 19-year-old daughter has brain cancer? They're real. You could see that pain in him on pregame last week. So they're real people. And we need to be able to have discussion around what that looks like and how best to address some of these real-life situations that may require us to call an audible in our day-to-day. This is episode 140 on HD, y'all. 140, 140. Congratulations. Good gracious. Mm-hmm. Mad content out there, folks. Mad mm-hmm. content. So we're going to have some conversation today. So many of you probably don't know. You know Ted as the the announcer for HBCU sports and and all of that and a phenomenal, phenomenal public speaker and trainer. But did y'all know that Ted used to be a quarterback? Mm -hmm. That was some pounds ago. 
<laughs> Dead right. If it was some pounds ago, you would literally disappear. I'm sorry. Come on, now. Come on. <laughs> nah. And talk to us about your athletic journey and what it was like to be a quarterback. And and now let's 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 talk about that. Let's hear about your experience as a QB and and when you had to call audibles and why. Okay. Well, thank you, Doctor Pitts. Uh, this is very. Mm-hmm. It's going to take me back down in my childhood and some of the mm-hmm. things that I probably hadn't even thought about for a while. And so, <laughs> hey, Eric, you're going to learn some stuff maybe today, man. I come on. Talk about another time come on, man. Come on. When I was, uh, I actually started playing football probably when I was like six or seven years old. We played in the street in between parked cars. And I just had the ability to throw the ball. So everybody would always let me play quarterback. I made good decisions and my mother kind of, had me in a position of of teaching me leadership qualities even at home. So that kind of translated over into that. I could say, come on, guys, let's get together. Here's the play. So I was that guy. So it took me into boys club football. So the neighborhood was playing football. So when the coaches was like, who should we play, get to play quarterback? Theodore. That's what they call me in the neighborhood. So I would get a chance to play at the, at the Pop Warner level. I went to high school, got a chance to play. Now, here was, here was my challenge. I got a chance to start all the way through JV in high school. But here was, here was my biggest challenge, and I, I knew it was coming. But I, it was a couple of things that I couldn't overcome. I was only 5'9", maybe weighed 160 pounds. The quarterback that was lined up, because he played varsity his freshman year, he was already lined up to play quarterback to, you know, to start. He was 6'4", 240 pounds, could throw the ball like Doug Williams. I'm talking about 70 yards on a rope in high school. So he was bigger than the offensive lineman. So they saw talent in this gentleman, and obviously I I didn't get a chance to play or start in high school at quarterback. However, I transitioned to receiver, so he threw me a lot of balls. So that's kind of where I kind of transitioned over to make an adjustment. So that's an audible. In my head, I wanted quarterback, but they said, yes, you're great, but this guy's a talent. We have to put you in another position. So I didn't get dismissed. I didn't get rigid that I had to play the position. I was able to transition over to something else that I was pretty decent at as well. And that probably would give me some more opportunities going forward because in college, it would have been the same experience because of the size and all that. And so the only thing that I had the ability over him, and I did get a chance to play off and on and situational, I was sort of like what we call today the, uh, what's the guy for the New New Orleans Saints? Taysom Hill. So on certain situations like the Wildcat stuff we see today, I would get in on those plays because he was big and he wasn't elusive and quick. I was, I was able to run on those plays. Now passing, couldn't see over the line. Probably wasn't as good. I had to roll out there to come up with a whole different package for me. So as I went to college, I got a chance to play quarterback again because they ran a option. So it was more like the triple. It was a wing T. So it required a, a quarterback that was similar to like a Michael Vick or something like that to run it. It was throw optional, you know, like what we call now the, the RPOs. It was similar to that. So I got a chance to play until I had a young brother who came in as a freshman, was touted this high school thing. And my senior year, I'm I'm expecting to play. He comes in and takes my spot as a freshman. Here's fast forward, and I'm going to cut it short. That same gentleman is the head, and you've interviewed him, Dr. Pitts, is the head football coach at Virginia State University right now. Now, He's my frat brother also, but here's what he told me in a meeting. Well, it was publicly with the fraternity. Mm-hmm. And you were a Q and I looked up to you because you wow. could have judged me, dismissed wow. me, not tried to help me when I was taking a position that belonged, that you felt belonged to you. Mm-hmm. Because of that, that showed me what Omega was about. Mm-hmm. And that's why I chose to become an Omega because of some of those qualities I saw in you. So that was huge for me, not knowing that I was doing those things. It was beyond football. Mm-hmm. Then fast forward three years after I left, 
they win a CIAA championship. He was the first one. Uh, he took the team to a championship. They won it. And then after that, he came back as a coach and wow. took the team to championships as well. Wow. Prairie View turned that organization around, North Carolina Central, mm -hmm. had some stints at University of Maryland, and then yeah. but now at Virginia State University. So yeah. he is a guru in sports. Mm -hmm. And I could have been a person in his freshman year that could have changed his whole thought process about mm -hmm. how life is or how things are. And so yeah. after that, you know, I tried out with your team, my Lauren. Mm -hmm. Did you know that? No. Uh, I hate to say it, but I, <clears throat> when I graduated from Bowie, I didn't get drafted. And I was like, I sent a letter to all 2018 to <laughs> 2018s at the time. The, the Redskins, who they were at the time, my home team, sent me a rejection letter. We're not interested in having you come out. All these teams said no, but the Dallas Cowboys said, yeah, we have an open trial. You got to fly down here on your own, pay your expenses. But we'll give you a shot. And so I said, the enemy is calling. Because I hated Dallas. I'll be honest with you. Their money was green, though. Guess what? I went down. <laughs> so uh, it was Jimmy Johnson's first year. It was Herschel Walker and just being coming from the USFL over to Dallas mm -hmm. that first year. And I ain't mm -hmm. seen none of them because I was at a mini camp, you no, know, a tryout just to go to a mini camp just to get the camp. Mm -hmm. Down there thinking it was going to be about 40 people at the tryout at Texas Stadium. It was before Jimmy's house, uh -huh. Jerry. Uh -huh. And it was 600 people there. Wow. And I made it through from 600, but then one hour was on 25. And I was fortunate enough to make it in that 25 state out there. Wow. Wow. That's got, pretty cool, Ted. And they told me I could come back next year, but I was about 25, 4, 25 at the time. I said, it's always going to be a younger guy. Uh -huh. And I'm always going to be behind the eight ball, ball. So I looked at it like this. Ted he took it as far as it could go. Mm -hmm. Enjoyed the experience. Most people don't get that opportunity. You know, at the time I had a kid, I got, got married. So life started to move mm -hmm. in a different direction. And so I thank God for the experience of, of, of having the opportunity mm -hmm. to try. But mm -hmm. also just to be able to have the experience of being a quarterback in that role, being a leader mm -hmm. to help me in some of the things that I do today. Well, I want to know with all the years that I've known you and you're one of my bestest, goodest mentors, why I'm just now finding out that you tried out for the Dallas Cowboys. You are just because I, I ain't want I ain't really want you to know because you're gonna be you was gonna lead lead say Ted, I knew Dallas was in your heart the whole <laughs> time. And, and that's it's, not it's true. God didn't want you to go there. Ted, you know what? The denial, man. We we're gonna have to talk about the denial. <laughs> We, we really are. But here's the thing. You touched on a couple of key things that I had made note of as far as that that teeter totter, if you will, between the athletic world and life beyond, you know, play, because you talked about um, you know, not making varsity and not being in the starting lineup. That's our, our younger athletes and, and even truth be told, the, the ones that are seasoned adults need to know that you're not always going to necessarily make varsity, but you got to work your way up. And it reminds me of the guest that we had a couple of weeks ago, John Petrelli, when he was talking about how basketball, like he was just determined that he wanted to make varsity and they offered him an opportunity to play JV and he turned it down. And it's like, but you never know case in point, like you said, you never know what's going to happen and where that's going to lead to. So, and I'm going to get into it in a few minutes, but I want to encourage particularly our younger athletes who have this laser focused plan of what they think it's going to be and how it's supposed to be. And there, there's no pliability. There's no flexibility that it could perhaps go a little bit different than what you envision, but that doesn't mean that it's not what's best for you. And I think that I think that's a, a trap that a lot of young people fall into. Um, just thinking that you know what, if it doesn't happen exactly the way I want to, or for us, or us true grown folk, what do we say? Just because the blessing don't come packaged the way you think it should come packaged, you don't think it's a blessing, and and that requires maturity 
that requires wisdom, that requires having the, the what I could consider is also a blessing to have people around you that can say, hey, just because it didn't go the way you wanted it to go doesn't mean that it's not a good path for you. And then you also touched on, and, and I'm going to tease it a little bit, um, you talked about not being drafted um, and you didn't get accepted as a walk-on either, right? So you tried it. And we've said you know, previously on shows that there's so many different ways that you can contribute, right? And we're not telling you not to pursue your hopes, goals, dreams, and aspirations. But it's also important to remember that only 2% of players go to the league. So the, the deck is stacked against you. We're not saying don't try, but if it doesn't work out the way you want it to, you don't necessarily have to just throw in the towel. Ted, you, and I'm sort of exposing a little bit here, but yeah, you got married and you started having children and all of these things, but look at your athletic career today. We didn't need for folks that, that don't know, Ted and I had crossed paths years ago and didn't even realize that we had crossed paths. Ted was calling games for Dell State. I was at FAMU. I worked at FAMU as the director of catering back then. I was feeding him in the press box and in the, the callers box at the games when Dell State would play at FAMU those years and didn't even know. I'm just feeding food. What y'all need? Thing? You need some mayonnaise? <laughs> you want more sandwiches? You want more? Blood? Like, what do you want? And here we are all the, what now? I left FAM in 2003, 2003 or 2004. So here we are a little over 20 years later and we've been directly connected for years now. So it's like, it comes full circle, mm -hmm. but it plays out the way that it's supposed to. Exactly. It plays out the way that it's supposed to. Hey, Dr. Tits, I wanted to also add a, a key component I, I left out. Um, when those times came when I was didn't make varsity and mm -hmm. things didn't work out the way I wanted to, there mm -hmm. was a support system at home. Okay, mm -hmm. so my yeah, parents yeah. still encouraged me. Mm -hmm. and maybe they saw he's not NFL material. They never said that. Mm -hmm. You know, they just said keep pursuing it, keep working and all that. Mm -hmm. But what my mother did, and I didn't, you know, I'm thinking about it now. She was strategic in getting me to focus on the things that I was good at. Mm -hmm. So she would say, yeah, I know you didn't, you know, keep doing that, but yeah. keep reading. You need, to, yeah. you need to get better at reading. And so I look mm -hmm. at all those things that I had to do in the summer, the extra work and all this other stuff. And most of it was related to reading. And then mm -hmm. I fast forward today, mm -hmm. I sit like in two hours, I have to go sit and read a script in front of hundreds of people mm -hmm. who will be sitting in the audience and I can't mess up. Well, mm -hmm. I can. It could yeah. happen. But yeah. but because I've been practicing from youth, reading something, now I sit in a position not playing an athletic sport, but mm -hmm. calling one for individuals who live it out yeah. their dreams. So I'm yeah. still able to stay connected to the yep. sport, mm -hmm. see it up close and personal, but I'm not upset that it's not me out there where yeah. they're calling my name. I'm actually calling the names of other people who are doing well. So I still get excited for other people. And so I thank God for the opportunity yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah. 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 Eric, can you share, because he, and a lot of people don't know this about him. This man loves, loves, loves sports, football, yeah. basketball, baseball, boxing. He absolutely positively loves sports, but he had a different athletic path too. Can you speak to that? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so mine's going to be very short. No. Um, so although I guess what I want to say is organized sports was something that I didn't participate in. And when I did, it was for a short period of time. Um, but coming up, I was pretty good in various sports. Uh, football was one, basketball was one and baseball was one. I played baseball from a little kid. Uh, up until almost high school. And um, like I said, I wasn't great, but I wasn't bad, right? Um, so 
my thing was commitment. Uh, although I could play football with my friends and, and do very well, it's very hard to tackle back in the day. I hated practice. <laughs> when I tried out for Pop Warner, um, Woodstown Bucks, um, you know, uh, I love playing football. I mean, I play football all the time with my friends, but uh, I hated practice when, when we had to do those, uh, you know, wind sprints and, and it was an exercise hit. I, I know you probably can relate to this, but you're laying down and your, your, um, your feet are lifted up and you're, you're hitting your stomach, right? It's supposed to strengthen your core. And we had to do that. In, Six uh, inches. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, um, uh, no. <laughs> I, I tried it and I probably about three or four weeks into practice, I'm handing in my gear. Um, and and uh, the disappointing part of that is we won the championship that year. So I could have sat the bench literally and got a jacket and a trophy, uh, which my now stepbrother uh, has or had. Uh, you know, basketball, the same thing. Anybody knows me very well knows that I love basketball. I love, love, love basketball, although um, I wasn't very tall. Um, had a lot of heart and I played with tenacity and um, I like to win. Um, so, um, you know, as I look back in the short career that I had playing, playing sports, um, there's a joy that you get. There's a joy in the camaraderie with the people that you play with. Um, and like I said, everybody likes to win. There's nothing like winning, man. Um, and also back in the day, Ted, you can probably relate to this, is, you know, there's a time where you would pick your teams, you're playing basketball down on the court, and you're standing there, right? And they're like, all right, I'm going to get him, 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 and all right, I guess I'll get him. <laughs> you never wanted to be the last dude that they picked. <laughs> because if you're the last guy, it's like, oh, we really ain't that good. But we need a player, right? Um, I would like to say most of the times that wasn't the story. Um, and the last, the last story I want to share with you guys is this, is, um, you know, I lived in Alloway, but I also lived in Woodstown. So people from New Jersey knows, you know, where that. So I played basketball with my, my buddies in Woodstown quite a bit. And like I said, I was pretty good. Um, and so when I ended up going to Salem, um, I was playing freshman basketball. So here it is, Woodstown versus Salem, which is always a thing. So my boys that I knew in Woodstown was like, oh, man, this nigga, he's playing for them. So I'm like, I'm about to get y'all. <laughs> I never got in the game. Wow. My coach never put me in. And I, I was kind of aggravated by that. And I'm like, I know I'm good enough to play, but he already had a select player. So I don't want to digress too much. But um, as far as, as that goes, and that was my short um uh, sports career, but I want to also add the audibles in life, right? Because um, Dr. Pitts did bring that up. Um, there are things that happen to us in life that make you change the call, right? You you have my life for me was laid out. I was supposed to go to art school. I was supposed to go to the Air Force. You know all these things, all these big plans. You can draw uh, very well. Oh, I didn't know very that. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to the Art to Art Institute of Philadelphia. And he can um, sing his face off. Well, he knows I know that. that. I don't know that I know about him either. He can sing his face Dr. off. Pitt. I know he can sing, Dr. Pitts, but I understand he's under contract with you where he can't. This is right. <laughs> only is only between, Dr. look, what's, yeah, I can't sing. <laughs> he ain't allowed to sing. Because I don't <laughs> want folks to be like, oh my God, to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you made me lose my thought, girl. Um, so anyway, um, the the path we're talking about audibles in life. The path was supposed to be this way, right? Um, I wasn't supposed to have any children until I got married. Like in my head, I already had how how life was supposed to be. But the audible is uh, no, no, that's not it. Um, you're going to have a child before you get married. You're going to have a couple of. You know, um, and so now you have to <laughs> spread the love, right? right? Um, so now you have to make that adjustment. What do you do? You know, you came to the line, you, you know, you, you came to the line of scrimmage and you're like, OK, this is I got this. This is what the play's going to be. But then all of a sudden you got to say kill, kill. <laughs> right. Because you got to make that adjustment and you got to be OK and knowing. And this is the spirituality piece I'm bringing with it. You have to be OK and knowing that when God is in your life and you have him as your source, that 
it's still going to work out. You know, stirring things have to happen for a reason. There's the ebbs and flows of life. Okay. You could go back and say, man, if I, if I'd have, only if I'd have finished and I would have uh, stayed on the, the bucks, you know what I mean? I could be a professional athlete or I could have went to high school and I could have been, you know, the best running back to Salem ever saw. Right. Uh, but that wasn't the path. Right. The, the path is or if I didn't date this girl, then this wouldn't happen. Everything has to line up exactly. So then you could pull back from those experiences and now help somebody else. So those are the for me, that's what the audible life is. Yeah. And there's, you know, I'm going to circle back to the athletic piece again, and then I'll bring it back to the circle because, you know, so oftentimes um, a lot of athletes go through, you know, what you went through, the piece that you didn't mention, and I'm not going to go into detail because you didn't disclose it, but you and I have spoken about the role that your grades played too, right? And so, and we've talked about this before, how, and, and Ted, to your point, so oftentimes so much emphasis is put on athletic performance and there's this disregard for the academic piece. And how many times have we said to particularly our younger athletes, there's only a 2% chance that you're going to go to the league. That's one. And let's just say you're that, let's say you're, you're the, you're the next Jonathan Taylor. You're the next JT and you go, well, guess what? That young man is brilliant. He mm -hmm. was smart. He is smart as all outdoors. Not mm -hmm. only is he academically smart, but he's athletically brilliant, but he's a rock solid businessman too, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So you have to understand that you need the educational piece in order to contribute to your athletic success. Absolutely. You can't be... I'm going to say this PC rather than how I think it. You can't be cognitively deficient mm -hmm. and still think that you're going to be able to excel athletically to the degree that you would like to, particularly getting into the league. Because, yeah, if you have cognitive deficiencies, you may be able to sort of skate through the athletic piece and depending on what college you get into, if, because you got to be able to get the grades, you can't go into the NCAA without a certain grade point average. Right. Everybody is not going to do your homework all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And depending on how good you are athletically, you may make it to D one and they may assign a tutor to you in the whole nine yards, but guess what? And no tutor in the NFL, get my tutor in you and folk will steal your money with a smile on their face because you don't have the cognitive ability to be able to manage your own finances, to develop some financial literacy, to know when you're taking advantage of. You can't even fully read your contracts to know whether or not your agent is or the team is taking advantage of you. You have to have that academic piece. You, you got to get the grades. You have to get the grades. You have to pay attention to math. You have to pay attention in English. Shoot, you better pay attention in science. <laughs> pay attention in all of those classes because the academic discipline that you develop is going to be instrumental in helping you to sustain the athletic discipline that you have. So I think that it's really important for our younger listeners to be able mm -hmm. to connect the dots and know that that academic piece is extremely important. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I wanted to touch on before we shift um, to the to the more personal uh, situations that require you to, to call an audible is our athletes. And, and let me just say, you know, the, the, the NFL are running these campaigns now. You know, that came out and talked about his battle with mental health challenges after the loss of his brother and his grandmother. But mental illness has been in the league and, and it's, a, it's, it's been in life since the beginning of time. Research studying schizophrenia goes all the way back to the 16, 1700s. So mental illness has been there forever. But it hasn't been addressed forever. And there are plenty of athletes at elementary school level, which I'll call popcorn, middle school, high school, college, and we've seen it on live, in person, at the professional level, 
we've got a lot of athletes that are battling mental illness during their athletic career and there's space for audible to be called there. There has got to be, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not saying that the league is not paying attention, but there's more attention that needs to be paid to the mental health of our athletes and our coaches. Do you, I, I would love to know how many coaches have ulcers. I would love to know how many of our coaches battle with depression and anxiety. I would love to know how many of our coaches have suicide ideation, especially toward the end of the season when the media is bombarding the world with the fact, well, you know, such and such better be out. You know, such as, look, I don't look at it as whether or not coach so-and-so is getting fired. What is coach so-and-so going to do next to feed his family? Because mm-hmm. I'm a systemic therapist. Mm-hmm. I look at the whole picture. So we've got a lot of athletes and and members of athletic personnel battling mental illness. We have this season, I don't know if y'all agree or not, would love to hear your opinion. There seem to be a lot of QBs out this season from injuries. There seem to be a lot of, I don't know, this season to me just seemed like there were more season ending injuries than what we normally experience. That's time to call an audible. Uh Both being cut or traded. Audible being fired as head coach, but I had a couple of coaches that got fired in the middle of the season and then the season ended and it was like, sheesh, they didn't even hold a 12 noon meet the next day. No, you're done. (laughs) What? Audible. And then if we go all the way back to Colin Kaepernick being blackballed, that is definitely time to call an audible. Do either of you want to speak to just any of those that I highlighted? I'd love to. Let hear me, uh, let me step in real quick. I can't, I can't not mention our football team um, in the comments that you just shared. And the reason why I say that is um, you talk about the health and wellness of the coaches. Uh, if you ever paid attention to our coach or the coach of the Eagles, I don't play um, Nick Sirianni, um, his eyes around his eyes are always dark, right? Um, which means, like you said, he's probably not getting the proper rest. And there's a ton of stress uh, on any coach, not just the Eagles, but any coach. But there was, to me, a mental breakdown with the entire team. And if I had to put a pulse on it, it may have gone all the way back to the 49ers loss when Dom, Big Dom got after. Ironically, after Big Dom got kicked out and couldn't come back, the whole dynamic of the team shifted. And, and, I just think that there's something that nobody's talking about other than football that um, contributed to the demise of the season, really, um, of the team. So um, I just wanted to because that was the first thing I thought about, uh, Dr. Pitts, when you when you were talking about that. Um, And again, I'm going to talk about our quarterback and any quarterback, the pressure that comes along with being a quarterback, Um, because at the end of the day, when you lose, they look, they look at the quarterback. Um, I would say based on what I saw this season, Jalen was playing hurt. And these aren't excuses. These are facts. Jalen was playing hurt the entire season. And the pressure of performing and producing, and you know that you're not 100%, is, is you know, I can't, unfathomable, right? And, oh, by the way, you got the organization, you got the fans, uh, and, and the pressure, because the Philadelphia, we all know, Philadelphia, we love you, but if you lose, we booing you. All right. So you got that pressure and then the pressure you put on yourself, the pressure you put on yourself to perform and be at an elite level. I just got a contract last season. Right. I, I got the money that I was looking for. Now you got even more pressure. So I'm not saying that these are excuses. I'm just saying these are things to think about that can contribute. And I believe did contribute uh, to to the demise of the season. It's just, um, you know, um, and you're right, Dr. Pierce, we don't talk about um, what these athletes are going through on a regular basis. You have, uh, I'm going to bring up one more person and I'll, I'll drop out. Um, Brian Dawkins, who's my favorite Eagle, um, spoke about the pressure of taking care of his family and that he battled with depression. Who knew that? I didn't know that, but he spoke about it very freely on his speech. Uh, I believe when he got inducted to the hall of fame, like 
um, or at least I think it was the uh, the NFL football life, that um, he was so pressured to to take care of all these people that now I'm depressed. You're like one of the best players, an elite player in the league, and you're you're you know you're making money, and and now you got to worry about pressure of everybody else in your family to the point of depression. And they weren't talking about it then when he played. Right. So, I mean, these are the things that 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 that, that you said, uh, Dr. Pitts, um, that um, these people are human. We're making them bigger than they are. You know, um, they're they're human. They have emotions. They have feelings. Um, they got pressure just like we do and, and maybe on even a higher level. So I just thought it was really uh, important to speak about that. That's all I have. Dr. Pitts, uh, I'll, I'll jump in here. Um, yeah, the the pressure of of being in a in the spotlight of of uh the world basically a lot of these people have never been in that position you get thrust into this with no no preparation you get drafted you're there you're a millionaire instantly and everybody in the woodwork is is coming out after you for whatever it is and so if you're not equipped not sounding your own uh principles and values which a lot of them may not be, um, they struggle with the pressure, the spotlight, and all those other things. Now, there are some people, though, that, uh, and, and, I, and I will say this, I, I used to laugh. I said, coaching is a sport where grown men who have families, all this other stuff, put their livelihoods in the hands of some teenagers and really young men who going to do what they do. You really have no total control. Why? Because they make more money than you. As far as within the franchise, they're valued for it. And they get the they get all the spotlight until something happens. So the coach understands, and I think a lot of these coaches, because they've been around, that's one sport in coaching you can get fired publicly and get a job tomorrow. So I think that they understand that they if they're that if they're good they know situations happen, uh, relationships don't work, you know, circ- you know things do happen and it don't fit. I can go somewhere else, and we've seen coaches do that where they turn the whole thing around. Now, is there some pressure under that? Sure, there is, uh, but how they handle it, I believe, if they have no centering or no spiritual base to be able to to manage all that, it can take advantage of them mentally. So I look at folks like Tony Dungy, some of these coaches who had that spiritual base, it didn't consume them. The limelight, whether winning or losing, getting transitioned to another job, a player leaves, somebody gets hurt. They just continuously just move with whatever came at them. So it, it it's uh it's about how you take it, but it is a challenge sometimes for for them to be able to have to try to deal with all that. I feel bad for with uh, Brian Dawkins. I didn't know know that particular story, but it's not uncommon to hear that same. I call it the MC Hammer uh, syndrome, where I feel like I'm I'm responsible because I was the one that made it. Everybody expects me to to do take care of them too in some capacity, and if I don't, then I'm you know I'm canceled by the family, or he's better than me. He don't care about us that kind of thing. And that's a lot of pressure just coming internally from the, the household side of it as well. And some of it is probably not real. None of the, most, some people weren't asking for anything, but people felt obligated. Those players may feel obligated to do it anyway, even if mm-hmm. they're not even asked. So it could be an un, uh, unrealistic uh, challenge on them or, or some weight on their, themselves that is not even real. So that's something to consider as well. Um, mm-hmm. I will say as a player with the mental health piece, mental health was looked at as like when I was playing football, if you came mm-hmm. into the locker room and said, uh, coach, I need a mental health day. Mm-hmm. They would have looked at you like, boy, you better go in there and get in the gym and do what you need to do. Or you ain't going to be here. We ain't got time mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know that because I, I I never really felt like I needed I was in that space mentally where I needed that kind of, of help. But mm-hmm. I believe there were people that were and mm-hmm. they had if you brought that up, it was like saying that you were mm-hmm. gay yeah. in, in, in that context. 
Yeah, and you you would just look at you like, man, that dude soft. He talking about he got a headache, mental mm -hmm. health. Come on, man, mm -hmm. just get over it. You know, yeah. man, you supposed to be hard. We're tough guys. Mm -hmm. Your arm is broken. Here, here's what they say in sports. So you know that the coach will ask you based on you coming to the sideline after you got injured on a play. Mm -hmm. Are you hurt or are you injured? Mm -hmm. There is a difference. Mm -hmm. If you're hurt, we'll see you in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Injured, you need to see the trainer, and that needs to be validated. That means you can't play at all. Mm -hmm. so you're in your your mental is always to say, I need to help the team. I'm committed. I got to get back in there. That's why Jalen Hurts played hurt. Why? Mm -hmm. Nobody told him he had to play. They told him if you don't feel good, I'm good, man. I my mm -hmm. team is dependent on me. We we, mm -hmm. we got too much at stake. So the pressure of what I'm here for, like you said, like like you said, Eric, it, it's real to them. Mm -hmm. But if they fail, it doesn't mean they ain't getting their money as long as you mm -hmm. give your best effort. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a weight that they're carrying that they don't need to. It really depends on the mindset of the player. What I'd like to believe, um, and I'm gonna just be real quick, what Jalen is, yeah, he's getting the money, but he wants to win a championship. Mm -hmm. There, there are players that are playing in this game that love the game, and that's what you love to see as a fan of football. That they mm -hmm. really love the game, but as we say, at what cost? Mm -hmm. Right. So, at what cost is football is the only sport or the number one sport where I believe the money that they make or the money that they pay them is definitely justified. Because mm -hmm. what happens after football? You look at Earl Campbell, uh, the gentleman from the Steelers uh, that died from CTE. Um, you know, and, and there's a list and a host of players that, and when I say at what cost, what the game has now done mm -hmm. to them, they have to deal with for the rest of their lives. So, um, so with that, um, I, I totally agree with you, Ted, but I just wanted to add that really quick. You have people that have that pressure, but they also really love the game. They love it in such a way where, you know, uh, when they say they want to win a championship, it's not really for the glitz and the glory other than the fact that, I was able to help the team get to this level mm -hmm. and I, I was a part of that. Mm -hmm. I think that it's important to know, um, to piggyback on what you both said that the suicide risk for athletes is the third leading cause of death among student athletes ages 15 to 24. And I want to take the word student athlete and actor in because for example, CJ Strauss for the Texans, he's 22. So even though he's no longer a student athlete, he's a professional athlete, statistically, he still falls within that statistic, right? So when you look, for example, at the age of our QBs, at the age of any player, because we got a lot of players that enter the draft early, you know, they'll enter the draft sophomore or junior year um, in, in school. Or when you look, for example, in basketball and you look at LeBron, you look at Kobe, they came straight from high school and went into the league. So when you look at that that age bracket of age 15 to 24 and know that 40 percent, 40 percent of these young people said they felt persistently sad or hopeless. And one in five teenagers said they have suicidal thoughts. That's a report done by the CDC. Right. So that's alarming. And people need to be aware of that because of this pressure. And I wanted to circle back to your team, Ted, the, the New England Patriots, because, you know, there was all this conversation around, is it Belichick or is it Brady? And what does that look like? Well, we know Tom Brady went on to be extraordinarily successful apart from the Patriots, but that wasn't Coach Belichick's results. We know that he's an extraordinary, I mean, he's, you know, he's the GOAT when it comes to coaching. So not taking anything from him, but that pressure, that pressure, and he ain't, he, he's not young, he's not a young man. <laughs> that added pressure being placed upon him to thrive and succeed and to go to the next, the next dimension without Tom Brady, the pressure that that QB, I forget the young man's name that took over Back for up. Tom Brady, right? The, the, the pressure that Gerard uh, Mayo is under filling Belichick's shoes for the, like there, it's just pressure upon pressure, upon pressure, upon pressure, upon pressure. It's like living every single solitary day 
of one's life in a pressure cooker. And we're doing our athletes and our coaches major disservice if we don't take that into consideration. Everything is not contrary to what folk would say. Everything is not about wins and losses because it could end up being the ultimate loss and it could be the loss of life. And who wants that? I mean, really, who wants that? Do you want to be the one that gets that call that says that your loved one took their own life? I think not. I think not. I want to share something with you real quick. And then in the last few minutes that we have, I want to shift to to more personal um, need for audibles in the lives of, of athletes and coaches, but for, for real in all of our lives. And my question is, what's your story? Which I'm, I'm speaking to you two gentlemen, I'm speaking to our viewing and listening audience. What's your story? We all have a story of how we see ourselves and our future. It comes from how we were raised, what people said, our successes and failures, our hopes, goals, dreams, and aspirations. But perhaps, because we know that this is the case for many of our athletes that come from impoverished situations, perhaps your story is negative. I've been hurt too much. I've grew up impoverished. I'm at a disadvantage. I'm not tall enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not strong enough. I, I don't have the talent or the experience to do what I really want to do. Do you know what's stopping you? your story. You're being limited by what you believe about yourself, by how you see your circumstances. The story that you've written will override what anybody else says. It's even more powerful than the facts. You can be incredibly gifted and have a great personality, but if you tell yourself that you're average, your gifts won't come out as they should. Is the story you're telling yourself keeping you from rising higher. Why don't you tell yourself a new story and consider how you can call an audible in your personal life to achieve extraordinary success, even though it might not be packaged the way you originally envisioned that it would be packaged. So what are some of those personal, I mean, those we're not talking about the football field, the basketball court, the baseball diamond, the track, the, the swimming pool, right? the, the golf course. What are some of those situations that would warrant you having to call a personal audible? Being diagnosed with a life-altering disease, as many athletes have experienced. Diabetes, lupus, cancer, signs that you have CTE, but they can't scan your brain until you're already dead. Flunking out of college losing your scholarship, finding out a spouse or partner is cheating, being taken advantage of, and learning that all the money you thought that you were making is not the money that you were making. Your spouse asking for a divorce after your athletic career comes to an end. Finding out a loved one is suffering from addiction or you suffering from addiction because you're now allergic to painkillers after your career. Domestic violence, infertility, teen pregnancy, foreclosure on your home or the repossession of your cars. You or a loved one being arrested or being incarcerated and social media persecution. And that list goes on and on and on. Gentlemen, I would love to hear your input on any one of those personal need for audibles that I just referenced. You want to go first, Ted? Okay, I can I can jump on ahead. Th those are <clears throat> when you really think about those are some real issues, and we unfortunately the society because they don't know these individual athletes who are gifted and have this talent to play a sport. We see them as gladiators or different than the normal human being. And so we disassociate ourselves from them being emotional and having real feelings. We say things to them, we say things about them, all because of their talent didn't measure up, or they felt that they should have done something different. And so we Monday morning quarterback the lives of these individuals. Every 
live up to these unrealistic expectations. And so I feel that if they're not grounded or you're not grounded and understanding who you are and know your, your identity and can disassociate from what other people think about you or what they ju their judgments are about you, if you can suspend those things and then allow your life to flourish the way God wants it to and intended it to do, divorce yourself from the outcomes of what you expect based on the book you've written on your own life and allow the author and finisher of your life to write the book and you don't take keep taking the pen from him. So if I could encourage uh, our young folks, and I can't think of the gentleman's last name, maybe you guys can help me. He His name is Iggy or uh, Iggy something. He, play, he played football. He does motivational speaking now. He played college he for the Browns? Yeah. No, he never got to. He played for a college team, but he never got there. Okay. So what happened was he it was his last, like one of his few last plays in college football. He was already picked to be a draft pick. He goes to make a normal tackle and couldn't get up. Paralyzed his whole left side, changed. That's an audible. Immediate. Now he's wondering why all this happened to him. But now he's on the speaker circuit sharing his story about how that audible changed his life for the good. So, um, Dr. Pitts, I have to send you that information. Maybe you could put it on, on social media with, for people that link. I'll send it to you. And I would encourage every young person. He, he said it. He did everything right. He got to the place where it was, the contract was right there. His last game and the audible changed everything. He can never play again. What, what, would he, what was he going to do? And so if you see that, it'll help put you put in some context, some of the stuff that we're talking about, Dr. Fitz. Come on, A.B., I know you got something, man. You, I see them, them wheels turning. Yeah, well, what I was going to do is, um, you know, I'm going to call out Audible, and I'll after I call out Audible, I'll tell you what the Audible is related to. Um, the first Audible is my brother. My brother passed away in 2000 uh, from a disease which many now are living with, Audible. Uh, a very dear friend of mine who got cancer at a very young age and left here too early. Audible. Um, uh, my decision to agree with my children's mother and to leave that situation, audible, right? Um, and what I want to end up with is I'm going to bring God into this. Me deciding to give my life to Christ in 2014, audible. Um, and for me, it was always in here. Always, all the way back to Pop Warner football, right? It was always in here. And, and Lauren touched on the academic piece. You know, uh, when I was a kid, if you were put in a certain class when you were younger because you didn't get it like everybody else did, you were labeled. But what I didn't realize at that young age is that it could stay with you and that it could also change your whole mindset. You add that with a father that was not patient in that process, right? And um, so if you believe it, if you internalize it, then you go now to as an adult male or woman feeling or believing the lie, right? And the lie is, oh, well, he's not that smart or he's not gonna get it or he's not going to be successful. Now, there's a yin and a yang when I speak about my dad because he wanted the best for me, but at the same time, he he, he didn't have the patience, right? Um, and he always wanted the best for me, including what Lauren was talking about, uh, freshman basketball. The reason why I had to stop playing is because if your grades aren't up, you got to stop playing. And my grades were only low in one subject, which was algebra, advanced algebra. And I had to quit. And man, that hurt me to my soul. Um, but, you know, the good news is, if I can wrap this up, is that you have to believe what God says about you. If you believe in a higher power, right, you have to believe the truth. The truth is that God says these positive things about you, that you are highly favored, that you were created in his image. So once you really understand that narrative, Everything else will just look different. 
It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you. Now you have the higher power who created you before you were here says this about you. And to me, for me, that's been the difference. Thank you both for that. And that's a, a great, great, great segue to my closing points um, because you both hit on some of the buzzwords that I wanted to mention. So the question you know, that many people that are listening in may have is, okay, so Dr. Pitts, all these things have happened that require me as an athlete or as a former athlete or just an everyday human being, um, I'm, I'm now required, I'm faced with situations and circumstances where I have to call an audible and audible in life. Well, well, what do I do? How do I do that? And, and these are the, the key points that I really want you to wrap your heart, mind, spirit, and soul around. You have to change your perception so that you're shifting it so that you're ready for change. I would argue that 99.9% .9 of the time, life is not going to go exactly the way that we plan for it to do. So do yourself a favor. Expect that you're going to have to call an audible in life. Expect that you're going to have to sometimes think quick on your feet and call an audible. But there are times because I, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Ted, but, but as a quarterback, right, it's like, you don't see what's on, but you're not just picking something out the air willy nilly. You have some, some backup plans, some backup calls that are already on the play sheet that you're going to call if you see something that's off. Well, the same thing is applicable in life, right? The reality of it is people are going to die. We don't know when they're going to die, but they're going to die. So what does that audible look like? It might look like making sure folks' financial houses are in order. It might make look like making sure people have a will or people have an executress or, you know, a, 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 somebody, a power of attorney or something like that. But you have to shift your perception so that you're ready for change because life is going to, as everybody's saying now, life is going to keep liking and you are going to have ample opportunity from now until the day you leave this life to be able to call audibles. So this is what I want to say to you. Many of us, most of us, I won't say all of us have hopes, goals, dreams, and aspirations. Maybe you've written them down or you've, you've tried some things or you've fallen short. You, you've decided, you know what, I want to go into the league or I want to try and get an athletic scholarship or, or whatever the case may be. But here's the thing. You have to, you have to fully realize why you're worthy of receiving your heart's desire, even if it's not necessarily packaged the way that you envision that it should be packaged. And that will happen when you shift your perception of yourself and improve your self-image, which is what preparing for the audible is all about. You are not a failure because you didn't make it to the league. You're not a failure because you had to quit basketball because your grades weren't there. You're not a failure because you flew to Dallas for a tryout and you only made it a certain way. And you, you're not a failure. You have got to understand that that mindset that defaults to I suck. I'm a failure. I should kill myself because things didn't go exactly the way that I wanted them to go. I'm telling you to call an audible and to make a decision to overcome the limiting paradigms that you have that keep telling you that because it didn't go exactly the way you wanted it to go, there's something bad wrong with you. That is not the case because I need to encourage you to have a larger sense of deserving for achieving the desires of your heart, even though it might be packaged a little different than what you envisioned. I'm going to close out with this. I want to introduce you to the idea, to your new truth, that you are way more than you think yourself to be. And I don't mean that in a grandiose or narcissistic way. You are not football. You are not basketball. You're not baseball. You're not golf. You're not swimming. You are not the sport. The sport is what you do 
It's not who you are. You are so much more than what you give yourself permission to believe. I know it's easy to dismiss that information, but I'm telling you, you got to grab hold of that. And you get, as you call an audible, you get to rewrite some chapters of your life and change your narrative around those situations and circumstances that required you to call an audible in your real life. That's all we have for you today. We thank you so much for joining us today and having this robust conversation. We'll see you back in a couple of weeks. Again, congratulations to Ronnie and Mrs. Ransom and baby Eli for their newest addition to their family. Baby girl Eli, don't uh, baby girl Ransom, don't know her name yet. Um, again, congratulations to all of the ethnic minority coaches that are serving in the league and around college. Get warm, folks. Go enjoy some football. If you don't watch football, I don't know. Watch diners, drive-in, and dives or something. <laughs> Go have a good day. Stay safe. Stay warm. We'll see you back in a couple of weeks, folks. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.